It's time for JT the Brick. JT. Woo! Hey, girls. How are you? Wow, I can go in 10 different directions today. Getting to know Raider Nation the way that you see them now, it's just different. JT the Brick. I think it's so important, especially for this new generation of Raider fans. Now we got something. Now we got some guys out of the tub, out of the training room, doing what they needed to do. It calms down the energy of the Raider Nation and saying, man, a lot of guys have been missing for a while. Where are they? And now they're back. This is this is what the Raiders are all about. And now, here's JT the Brick. JT, back with you. Final hour before we get to Thanksgiving. I'm inside the Raider Nation. I'm at the Intermountain, Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, the global headquarters of the Silver and Black as the Raiders are back to practice today. I interviewed the head coach right before the show started. We got a good eight or nine minutes with him on a very busy day because the players had Monday and Tuesday off. Uh, victory Monday, and now they're back to work today, and they got to get ready. Remember, Seattle's coming off a bye week, and Seattle lost to Tom Brady as they were in Germany. So Seattle's been stacking wins. They're coming off a loss, but they have the bye week, a lot of travel. Man, a lot of travel getting from Germany to Seattle and all that, but they're ready to go, and they are much better than expected. Most people did not expect Seattle to be good this year. They're 6-4. and four. Man, would the Raiders like to be 6-4. and four. I think fair for the Raiders would have been 5-5. Five and five. Fair for the Raiders because it's the Arizona game and the Jacksonville game. In those games, they were up big. They were up big in that game. So if they weren't up big in that game, I wouldn't say it because you know, you're not up big, you're not supposed to win. If it's a three-, four-point game, anybody can win. But they should have had two more wins easily, and that would have put the Silver and Black at 5-5 five and five heading into this game. So now the Raiders are in the process of building momentum, as the Raiders need momentum. And they lost three. You know, you look at the games, they lost three in a row. Three in a row between bookend wins at Houston and at Denver. Houston at home at Denver. The remaining part of the schedule, how crazy would this be, Raiders, if it turns out that losing to the Saints at Jacksonville and the Colts at home, who would say this? Other than Seattle, Denver, they beat Denver, and they they took them to overtime to do it. I look at the Chargers. The Chargers are always going to be a battle. Get that at home. The Rams game, Rams are 3-7. and seven. Patriots, we saw the Raiders just clobber the Patriots in the preseason in the joint workouts and in the preseason game, but that was preseason, and Belichick hasn't playing well. And then at Pittsburgh's a game the Raiders could win, and then they have the two toughest games in all of football, all of football, which is why they needed to stack wins early because the season wraps up with two home games against the 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs. So the Raiders got some tough sledding to do, but I think they could beat Seattle. And we'd like to hear from you on that at 702-365-9200. How do you beat Seattle? I'm all in on, on beating Geno. That's all I got. I, mean, I got. I got more stats than you've ever seen in your life in front of me. But come on, between all of us friends here, you got to beat Geno. If Geno has a 108 quarterback rating against the Raiders, I'll be really disappointed. We got to look at the Seahawks here, and you got to say to yourself, come on. Come on. They have to play good and at a high level here and not let Geno beat them up. Because if Geno has a good game here, I'm going to be really surprised. On offense, both these teams kind of in the middle of the pack. Seattle, 11th in total offense. The Raiders are 16th. Rush offense, Seattle 124 a game. The Raiders 106.8. They're almost identical in pass offense. The Raiders 235. The Seahawks... A 227, so they're right around, you know, the same. Raiders are good. They're in the top 10. They're at number 9 there. Points per game, 
Seattle 25.7, the Raiders 22.5. What's killing the Raiders in that stat is they were shut out in New Orleans and didn't score. That, that really skewed that there. When it comes to red zone offense, TD percentage, the Raiders are 24th, Seattle's 26th. But here's, here's where it gets interesting. The defense, total defense, the Raiders are 27th, Seattle's 26th. They have the same amount of yards. Isn't that wild? Seattle, total defense, they give up 370 yards a game. The Raiders give up 370.5 yards. Rush defense, the Raiders are better, 20th to 28th. But the turnovers are very interesting here when it comes to turnovers. Uh, Seattle in the turnover ratio with four, that ranks six. The Raiders minus one, that's 21st in the league. Uh, Raiders in penalties, they've been penalized a lot lately, 69 penalties. Seattle more with 62 and more penalty yards for Seattle. Play a clean game, play well. Seattle's tied with the San Francisco 49ers at 6-4. and four. They're 3-1 and one at home. So this is a massive game because the 49ers have won three in a row. And Seattle's on that one-game losing streak. And in the AFC West, no one's catching. No one's catching Kansas City. Period. No one's catching Kansas City. Uh, Kansas City is at 8-2. and two. The Chargers are at 5-5. Five and five. The Raiders are sitting here at 3-7. and seven. If the Raiders win this game to get to 4-7... and seven, and the Chargers have a loss here. The Chargers and the Raiders are playing for second place. Second place as the Chargers come to town the following week. So are you glasses half full with the Raiders winning this game and building some momentum? What do you think the team needs to do from here? What's your one key to the game? I want to hear from you as we get going. And we're getting going this hour, final hour of the week. I'm going to the Golden Knights game tonight with my wife and sons. Excited to have a great weekend, a great Thanksgiving. Hardcore Raider. Out in Colorado, before we get Warren Moon to call in, what's happening? Hey, J- hey, JT. Uh, just want to make this real quick. Just want to say uh, thank you to you and, and all you've done. You know, I kind of said something the other morning on the morning show, but um, you know, when we had left Oakland, uh, you know, the game out there, uh, things that got real toxic, and you know, they weren't talking about the Raiders, and if they were, it definitely wasn't anything positive or any uh, even good dialect. But um, you know, you've done a great job. Uh, I just want to tell you to keep up the great work and, you know, really appreciate you, everything you're doing, and hope you and your family have a blessed Thanksgiving. And, uh, you know, keys to the game, I think your boy uh, Jason that's calling the Raiders game hit the nail on the head. we got the anniversary of the Bo Jackson, uh, you know, running over mm-hmm. Bosworth and then running in a tunnel. Uh, I want to see Jacobs do that, man. I want to see him truck one of these fools and uh, have a Bo Jackson, uh, you know, yeah. uh, reliving memory because, uh, you know, Bo was my favorite player growing up. And uh, that was that was a real special time back then. So, you know. Appreciate you. Thank you. Have a great Thanksgiving. Thanks for calling in. Appreciate that. Yeah, it would be great. Jason Horowitz loves Bo Jackson. He's always talking about him. And we had Jason Horowitz on our Raiders Roundtable. That is up and running on the YouTube channel. If you can please go check that out. Josh Jacobs is third in the league in rushing yards, everybody. Derek Henry's number one. He's the only, he's the only one over 1,000 yards. A 1,010 yards. Saquon Barkley, 953. Josh Jacobs, Vegas, at 930. So they're right there. So Josh is going to go over 1,000 yards in this game, we expect. Josh Jacobs has more rushing yards than Nick Chubb. You know who's fifth in the overall in the league? Fifth in rushing. The only quarterback. Justin Fields, 834 yards. He's fifth in the NFL between, look at this, Nick Chubb and Dalvin Cook. Justin Fields, man, what a runner he is. Speaking of a great runner, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, 
kind enough to join us, the great Warren Moon, heading into the holiday season. Thrilled that we can get him on. And Warren, thanks so much for doing this. I hope you and your family are doing well in advance. Have a happy Thanksgiving. How are you, my friend? I am doing well and looking forward to Thanksgiving. One of my favorite holidays because you do get family together and you get a chance to uh, do one of my favorite things, which is eat food. So hopefully uh, (laughs) we have a great Thanksgiving, and I'm sure you'll have a great Thanksgiving as well. Warren, what was your history? Again, I could look it up, but tell me about your history playing football on Thanksgiving throughout your career. And again, college at that time, your great college career in and around Thanksgiving. Some memories. Yeah, I played a lot of games on Thanksgiving. When I was in Houston, we played the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. Uh, When I was in Minnesota, we played Detroit on Thanksgiving, of course. And even... uh, well, I think no, I don't think we played the 49ers. That was a, I think we played them on Christmas Day, but we played Detroit at least twice when I was in Minnesota. So uh, I've I played at least two or three times on uh, on Thanksgiving Day, and uh, I enjoyed playing on Thanksgiving because I got a chance to play a game early in the week and then have the rest of the weekend off. And when we played in Minnesota for, to uh, Detroit, it was a really short flight to get back. So you definitely had a chance to still have dinner Thursday, that Thursday night when we got back from our, our from our game and still have the weekend off. So uh, I enjoyed playing on Thanksgiving. You know, Warren, you played on a lot, of, a lot of Monday night games, too. At that level, do you think about, man, I'm the only game or, you know, Thanksgiving there's a couple, but on Monday night and now they have Thursday night, you're the only game out there and more and more your peers are watching, let alone all the fans in the bigger audience. What was that like as you walked out of the tunnel? Yeah, it was huge. You you felt the um, the electricity when you came out for pregame warmups when you played on a Monday night, especially back when I played because there wasn't a Thursday night game back in those days. It was Monday night and there wasn't a Sunday night game either. So Monday night was yeah. the the one showcase game for the uh, for the league that that everybody was watching that night. Not only everybody around the league, your peers, and like you said, but also all your family and friends around the country that got a chance to see you and. And uh, that was great about it, too. So you knew there was a little more electricity in the air. You're, the crowd, you could feel the buzz. Everybody got to the stadium just a little bit earlier because of Monday Night Football. So it was, uh, it was a, a great time to play, and, and be able to win on Monday night was even better. Warren Moon is our guest. So, Warren, Dallas was down 14 in Green Bay. They came back and won. And then they buried the Vikings, and the Vikings won in Buffalo. So I was very surprised by that. And I mentioned the Vikings had a lot of injuries up front on the offensive line there. But that was a major step back, just as everyone nationally was saying, wow, here come the Vikings. How good are they compared to Philadelphia, the 49ers, the Buffalo Bills? What do you think happened there? Do you think they bounced back? Well, you know, you come off a big emotional game like that on the road against Buffalo. Everybody's expecting you to lose, and you come back the way you did in that game and win in overtime. I'm sure they had a little bit of a downer the next week. And Dallas coming off of the game you talked about, they got embarrassed in Green Bay by giving up that 14-point lead, and they wanted to come back and improve themselves in a tough environment on the road. So I think that was the combination. And uh, Dallas's strength, was one of uh, Minnesota's weaknesses that day. Their their offensive line could not block them up front, could not block Dallas's front four, and they just kind of dominated the game at the line of scrimmage. So it just shows this league is really, really um, – there's a lot of parity this year. There's no really dominant football teams. Uh, everybody, if you don't play your best on every every Sunday, you can get beat by anybody. So I like the, the way the league is right now. There There is no dominant football teams. You just never know who's going to win from week to week. So you better bring your best game every week or you'll get knocked off. 
Yeah, that's a great segue. Warren Moon, the Hall of Famer, joins us. Because, Warren, if I would have asked you at the start of the season or in the summer that you'd think Philadelphia would be 9-1, and one, but we'd have the Giants, the Seahawks, and the Commanders. Those are playoff teams now. The Commanders, Seahawks, Giants. The Commanders are right there knocking on the door there with Seattle, a team you know very well. A lot of people, you go on the radio a lot, a lot of people didn't even give Seattle a chance to play coming out of the preseason like this was going to be a throwaway year or something without Russell Wilson. What are you seeing with the Seahawks and the job that Pete Carroll's done? Well, you knew Pete was going to put a competitive football team on the field. He's going to do that. The, the, the key going into the season was Geno Smith. How well was he going to play, or was it going to be Drew Locke? Because you know, they were kind of fighting for the job throughout the preseason. But Geno has, has played a, a lot better than most people expected him to. He's always had this ability, uh, but he just hasn't lived up to that. Now he's getting his second chance to, to show what he can do. He's been around some really good quarterbacks backing them up the last few years, whether it was Phillip Rivers or whether it was uh, – uh, Russell Wilson, or he was also behind Eli Manning. So I think he learned a lot about how to be a professional, how to prepare from from those three guys, and he's putting that uh, all that uh, knowledge together with his athletic ability and, and playing really good football this year, making great decisions. He has a good understanding of the offense because he's been in it for three years. So and he's got good talent around him, which really helps with the you know with the wide receivers, DK Metcalf, and also um, uh, Tyler Lockett. Lockett. So, uh, he, he's having a great year, and um, that's was going to be the key to the Seahawks. Could they play better on defense, which they are doing with the, with the draft picks that they picked up, and could Geno Smith uh, play better at the quarterback position? And that's that's what's happening for uh, Seattle right now. Hall of Famer Warren Moon. Warren, when you watch Jimmy G, seems like he's getting better. Coming off the injury, the Niners didn't really want him in the offseason. They tried to move him if they could. No one was interested. And I just think he's still young compared to Brady and some of the older quarterbacks in the league. He just looks like the ball's coming out. The weapons are insane with Ayuk, Debo, Samuels, Kittle, their running backs, everything that they could do as long as the ball comes out and he's not holding it and making bad decisions in the pocket. The Niners look very strong going forward. Yeah, they look very dominant on defense. They got all their guys back now, and you saw the way they've been playing the last two or three weeks. Having given up a point in the second half, their last three ball games, which is amazing, in the National Football League, and then with all the weapons they have on the offensive side, all Jimmy has to do is d- distribute the ball to the right guy, and I think Kyle Shanahan does a great job of designing plays to make sure he does get the ball out of his hands quickly and he doesn't have to hold it very long, and then they have a really good running game. So they have a really good formula right now there in San Francisco. They're a scary team to watch going down the stretch, and I'm sure there's not a lot of teams that want to play them because of the physical style of play that they play with. We're wrapping it up with Warren Moon. Warren, your name came up again. It always does when someone has a great comeback like Mahomes. And being in L.A. as much as you are, when you saw him come back, Herbert is elite. I don't think he's good. I think he's in that elite category. He scores. And here go the Chargers again, having to stop Mahomes. He goes the length of the field. He does it with his legs. And I compare him to you, Jim Kelly, John Elway, Joe Montana, obviously the GOAT Tom Brady. And he's got a whole career in front of him. When you see him starting the march, going down to try to tie a game or win it, do you think more about his arm talent or the fact that he can use his legs outside the pocket? Well, I think of both with him, and that's what makes him so dangerous. He can, he can slice you to death with his arm, 
but he can also break your heart when he scrambles because he's not just a good scrambler. He's a great scrambler, and he's always looking to throw the ball while he's scrambling, but at the same time, he's gonna take, he can still take off and make yards because he has really good speed and, and a good athletic ability. So when, when uh, the Chargers scored uh, to go ahead in the ball game and they left that much time on the clock, I just knew it was a matter of time before they were going to go back down Kansas City and, and maybe win the football game because they've done it so many times before. Uh, he's been in this situation. He's been in this offense for five years now, knows it you know, like the back of his hand, and he's got you know Travis Kelsey out there, somebody that he can go to at any particular time when he needs to. But he also has some really other other good young receivers who are coming along. So um, he, he he makes everybody's game a little bit better, and that's what the great ones do. They they elevate the play of the guys around him. And then, like you said, when they played that cover two man, and he knew it right away that the middle of the field was going to be wide open. He took off and got twenty five yards with his with his legs. So uh, he's just a great quarterback playing great football right now, and uh, probably the leading MVP candidate right now. All right, Warren, again, uh, this is the holiday season. We appreciate you coming on. Uh, what else are you doing? You have businesses. You're a guest speaker. You do a lot. What are you working on right now, some upcoming projects? What do you got in store by the end of the year? Well, we got Pro Bowl coming up in Vegas, and, you know, I gave a, a Pro Bowl dinner last year, and I'm going to do the same thing again this year with myself, uh, Shannon Sharp, uh, Devontae Adams. Uh, we're going to host a uh, Pro Bowl dinner on Friday night at the uh, – at the Resorts World uh, 66 Lounge up there at the top. Yes. It's a beautiful location, overlooks the whole city. Uh, it's going to benefit FieldX uh, Micro Internships, which is a program that trains young college students to, uh, for internships in the, in the sports world, different sports types of business. So uh, that's going to be something we have coming up, and I'm going to invite you to that for sure because I know you're a Vegas guy, and uh, hopefully you're available the Friday before Pro Bowl. Uh, if you need more information on it uh, or if you want to hit, know more about the charity, it's uh, myfieldx.com. You can go to that and uh, find out more about the uh, the charity itself. But it should be a fun night. We're going to have Shannon Sharp's uh, cognac on display. We're, yeah. we're going to try and get Charles Woodson to come in and bring his bourbon. Uh, Devontae Adams is going to be one of the hosts as well as myself, and we'll have a bunch of other players in attendance. It'll be a great night of, of, uh, of football and, and raising money for a very good cause. I wouldn't miss it for the world. I love Resorts World. I love that event, and we appreciate you, Warren. Have a great Thanksgiving to you and your family. Thanks for coming on with us. All right. Thanks for having me on, my man. We'll talk to you soon. Have a great Thanksgiving. You too, Warren. Warren Moon. What an honor to talk to him today. No doubt about that. One of the all-time greats. And a good opportunity to talk about a few of my partners here. Resorts World, the vision of Scott Sabella. To have Warren Moon and these great celebrities come in for these big-time events. Resorts World, the premium property now on the Strip and what they're doing. So that'll be a great event for the Pro Bowl and Warren Moon. And Woodson Bourbon Whiskey. Get this to Charles. Remember, I was talking to Charles's partners and reps on this if you go anywhere in vegas and ask for a woodson bourbon whiskey anywhere and they say we don't have it you call me or you tweet me and i'll get it to charles and we'll get it to charles's team and we'll get woodson bourbon whiskey there that's what a partnership is right we want to help charles out as he's building his iconic brand with wine and whiskey so woodson bourbon whiskey and we appreciate resorts world and we love warren moon that's a nice nice guy to talk to today that's going to make my night 
that much better. 702-365-9200 as we continue on on the calls. Uh, Rod's in San Jose. Thanks for calling in, Rod. Happy Thanksgiving. Hey, happy Thanksgiving to you too, JT. I'm calling back in. I talked to you on Sunday, and I forgot to wish you and your family a happy Thanksgiving uh, while we were celebrating the Raiders' win. But um, I just want to give you a quick thing on on Herbert. Look, mm-hmm. Herbert passes the the eye test. I'm talking about the Chargers mm-hmm. quarterback. I mean, he looks good. He looks strong in the pocket. He's got got a great arm. But his winning record. I mean, if he's barely a five, but five. Well, 500, it's by a game or two. So, I mean, I hear everybody talking about this guy like he's in the Hall of Fame or something. So, I'm, 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 my judge, in my mind, the judge is still out on him. I mean, he's a good young prospect, but I think we need to pump the brakes on him a little bit. But anyway, that's just my, I didn't call to talk about that. I, I know you just, no, I, I think Herbert's a great player. I think his I think his arm talent and his ability and his upside. I haven't seen the ceiling of Herbert yet. I've seen him play live, and he's been mind blowing. And you can beat him. Derek beats him. Uh, you know, he he's having, he's struggling with Mahomes. I just think that Herbert is a hell of a player, and I call it as I see it. But I got you. Yeah, I mean we'll see. I mean I hope we beat him again this Sunday. I mean when we, in, in a couple of weeks. But um, regarding Seattle, they're coming off of a bye. They've won six games in 24 seasons, you know, with Pete Carroll mm-hmm. um, coming off of a bye. I'm concerned about Geno, and I hear what you're saying about him because he's been a journeyman. He kind of re- reminds me a little bit of Rich Gannon to some degree. With oh, some stop. Oh, stop. No, 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 oh, stop. Oh, stop. I'm going to throw my microphone through this window. They're going to kick me out. of. You just compared Geno to Rich Gannon. So let me finish. Let me make the in principle, not in, not in talent, but I mean he's a journeyman, and now all of a sudden he's playing well. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying that he's as good as Rich. We know how we, how good Rich was, but I'm saying he was a journeyman like Rich. He played with a lot of different teams, and now it seems like he's figured out. Figured it out. I'm okay. concerned about this game because Gino will run, and so I'm hoping that that Coach Graham puts a spy on him or something because we're going to get a good pass rush on him. And he's if he runs for three or four first downs, I'm really concerned about that. So I hope they can mm. keep him in the pocket and um, get a couple of sacks on him because they beat up Russell Wilson last week. And I hope they can do that this week. But I think the key on offense, and I don't know if you agree, but mm. we got to pound Josh Jacobs. I agree Josh, with you on that. Get Josh 20, 20 reps. A game, you set up yep. a play action pass. I think we're going to be appreciate it. Man. Thank you, and I think that's what you're going to do. You're going to see that many carries. If Josh Jacobs is good to go the rest of the year, and the Raiders can hang around here and stay in these games competitively, he's going to get all the touches at the end of the year. If the Raiders are out of this and they're not competitive, you know you're going to see other backs get some touches here. Josh wants to stay on the field, and I get it. I think he's arguably the most important Raiders caller in my lifetime. Raider Mike checking in in Arlington, Texas. How are you, Mike? Great to hear from you. Happy Thanksgiving. Brick, my man, happy Thanksgiving to you. Just heading home for the weekend, and I would like to wish you a happy birthday. You know, it seems like a lifetime ago that you and me got together for the first time. My friend, I was at the, the parking lot at the Murph for that yeah. game with the, all those other guys, but uh, it's, been a, it's been a long, prosperous friendship on my end, my man, and uh, I can't wish you enough uh, good wishes uh, to yourself and your family for uh, for the holidays. 
And, you know, it's it's been a tough year, and I know it's been a tough year for you uh, uh, following the team, reporting on the team, and all the great things you do. Uh, you know, all we want as fans, JT, and I've been a fan of this team for 50, year, for 50 years, is just hope. That's all we want. You know, my, my greatest game that I ever watched, one of the greatest games I ever watched as a Raider game, was the 1999 finale when we went 8-8 with uh, Gannon in there in his first year as quarterback. And we went into Kansas City. They've been just putting our noses in the dirt for an entire decade, and we kicked their asses and we knocked them out of the playoffs. And we only finished 8-8. Eight and eight. But you know what? We went into that offseason with hope, and it propelled us into that next year when we went to the AFC Championship game. And right now, I don't care. I just want to see some hope out of this team. Whatever happens this Sunday, I don't care. I just want to see a direction and vision for the future and we're and, and mcdaniels is building this team get get make no mistake about it and i'm a big josh mcdaniels guy i i could care less what happened in indy those guys like to micromanage like hell dude gets in there sees they want to oversee this they want to run that and he says the hell with it and he pulled the pins i got no problem with that i don't care about what happened in denver guys are coached now he's a hell of an offensive mind and i'm looking forward to the future it's always Full steam ahead with me, JT, and I will always be there no matter what happens, no matter who's the quarterback for this team. And by the way, I think if our quarterback gets outside the pocket, rushes for 30, 40 yards, picks up about three or four, three or four first downs this weekend, we'll win that game, no problem. But anyways, I'm still there. My man, you have done a great job. Nation, and I love you, man. Have Thanks, a great Mike. one, buddy. Love you too, man. We go back a long way. That made my day. Raider Mike in Texas, man, when I started calling into sports radio, he was the biggest caller of all and all the Raiders back then. So whenever I hear from him out of the blue, it's always it's always special. Appreciate Raider Mike. A longtime friend that I met through radio. Now look at this. Mikey in Staten Italy checking in. A sharp guy on the Jets bench in Zach Wilson today. What's going on, Mikey? How are you? Hey, JT, first, it's a great day, man. Happy birthday, and you must have some wild stories, and I'll save those for off the radio for your birthday the night before Thanksgiving. That must be real special. Hey, JT, have a great one, and I just want to uh, tell the people, thank you for letting me into your life, meeting your family, meeting your son. Uh, Again, uh, what you hear on the radio is what you get. The passion that you have, it, it, it goes through the radio, and it goes to every one of us Raider fans and Yankee fans, which is an unbelievable competition. JT, I was going to start off this call by saying, is there any way that the last game of the season with the Chiefs could mean anything for the Raiders? Can they get on a run? Can they, they start steamrolling and go with, and play Kansas City and mean nothing? But then now the gambler comes back to me. JT, I'm sure you've seen this. I heard it a hundred times. When it happens more than three times, it's not a, a, a fluke. It's a streak. The guy that's refereeing this game, the Raiders are one in six and blowouts. When this guy officiates, he's the head officiate, and he's the head officiated in this weekend against Seattle. Uh, they're one in six, JT. I'm not going to try to beat, you know, I'm not going to try to beat it. I'm going to have to go against the Raiders or Ooh. just stay away from the game because of the referee. What is your take on it? Yeah, Mikey, thanks a lot. Appreciate you checking in. I tweeted that out when I saw it yesterday from the AFL Godfather, who uh, was very kind to me today. I appreciate that. Thanks for the call. Referee Brad Allen is assigned to ref the Raiders versus Seahawks. The Raiders are 1-6 when Brad officiates a game. His last game was 2021 when the Chiefs beat the Raiders 
48 to 9 at Arrowhead. All right. Now, sometimes that's why the sharp gamblers look for the refs. They look for the refs. I don't know what to tell you on that. Thanks to all of that. Appreciate it. Vinny Bonsignor is going to join us next. What a job he does as a Raider insider. As we're brought to you by the 872 Laborers and Tommy White. I, I think hopefully it shows the guys in the locker room like, guys, what we did in practice, that energy that we brought, the love, the care for the organization, the care for one another. If you bring that every day, this is, the, this is what we can feel like. You know, we got to listen to coach, do your job. Don't worry about anybody else, you know. Um, all those kind of things. I think, I think this was just like another moment of, see, if we do it the right way all week and you bring it to game day, you have an opportunity to feel like this. That's Derek Carr, JT, back inside the Raider facility, the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. Vinny Bonsignor, kind enough to join us every week, and we really appreciate his appearance right before Thanksgiving as we'll talk about his partners coming up here. Vinny, good to talk to you. I know you've been real busy traveling on the road, and you get an opportunity to be home here for Thanksgiving before Seattle. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you, man? Really good, Vinny. And you just heard Derek Carr, when the team ends up winning games, you know, everything sounds right in the locker room. They're hugging each other. This is what they need to do when they lose games. Then the fans think that something's creeping into the locker room that I don't think exists. It's just a loss, and it's a heartbreaking loss. So how do you justify going from one week to another with what the fans want to hear about? Is it going good after a win, or is it going bad after the three success, uh, unsuccessful wins, the three losses in a row? Yeah, it's, it's uh, interesting that you bring that up because, um, you know, I, we, we do a lot of media, you know, uh, ourselves going on radio shows and whatnot and talk to other reporters uh, when, we, when we go places. And um, after what, what Derek had said on Sunday, the previous Sunday against the Colts, you know, kind of, you know, pointing the finger a little bit at, hey, everybody needs to start caring more. You know, there's a lot of guys that care in this room. We need everybody to care. Um, you know, and, and basically he was saying what, what he was just talking about right there, you know, attacking each weekday with a, um, uh, the appropriate work ethic, whether you're in, you know, uh, the classroom or the weight room or the practice field walkthroughs that the Raiders are going through right now. Good things are going to happen on Sunday. And what was interesting, hearing the na- national narrative about it, and even some people locally, was that by saying that again after that Colts game, that, oh, my gosh, Derek Carr has lost the locker room. And I'm thinking to myself, I mean, are we that fragile that those types of criticisms or those types of that type of leadership threatens to uh, ruin a locker room or splinter a locker room? I just don't get it. And and for the for the record, there was no splintering of the locker room. There was no losing the locker room. I think everybody understood where Derek Carr was coming from, including the teammates, and that's who he was, you know, directing that at. Uh, that there was another level of work ethic that they could get to, and just because you're here. And it's worked for you to get here, whatever you've been doing um, from a work ethic standpoint. That doesn't mean that that guarantees that you're going to win here in the NFL or that you're going to stay here in the NFL by doing what you've done to get here. There's another level to go to. And that's really all Derek Carr was talking about. And I think it was well-received in the locker room. And I think you saw after the game when the results reflected the work ethic, uh, what kind of you know happiness that created and what kind of positive vibe it created. Um, so I just needed to say that, like, I, I, I was a little bit stunned 
hearing that question, has Derek Carr lost the locker room? I'm like, no, not at all. Um, that was well-received, and it was understood, and there was no fragile egos or feelings that, that, that those types of words were going to lose the locker room. That's ridiculous. Vinny Bonsignor joins us. Yeah, Vinny, there's only so much we could say. And again, fans want to see wins. So nothing's going to get through the fans if the team doesn't win. We could talk about the plan, what you know, what I'm privy to, but they have to win games. And when they played up-tempo in overtime, I know you can't do that in the first quarter randomly. I mean, one every four or five games you can open up, surprise a team, go no huddle, play up-tempo, but you typically don't do that in the NFL unless you're losing and you're trying to save time and go fast. And that's still the concern for me because my issue becomes all of the time wasted in the first, second, and third quarter, huddling up, waiting for the play clock to come within five seconds. And then at the end of the game, case in point, Denver, if Russell Wilson puts his knee on the ground and they save another 40 seconds, the Raiders in regulation have under a minute to get a field goal. And I just think they need more time late in games, 20 seconds, 30 seconds, 18 seconds. If it all adds up in the second half, they're going to need that in the fourth quarter. Do you believe they're going to play faster going forward? Yeah, I think that um, there, there's an opportunity for that and a chance for that. And part of it, too, is, you know, um, you know, Derek having – it's not just Derek, really. It's the entire offense. You know, you mm-hmm. have to be on the same page. In order to be able to play the game at the line of scrimmage uh, at that kind of a pace, everybody needs to know what their responsibilities are. Everybody has to have command of the uh, offense. This is recess or playground football where they're just winging it out there. Yeah, you go throw – you go uh, run over by, uh, you know, the car parked over there and make a, a hard left cut. This is intricate stuff, and everybody needs to be on the same page. And I say that because I think that more and more as the season goes on, more guys are more comfortable with this playbook. And that's not to say that the playbook is too intricate or too, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, hard to understand. It's not that. It's just that it's a natural progression that you get when you're in a new offense to be able to master it and master it and master it and then be able to uh, master it in those types of situations and not just at the end of games, but also sometimes – bringing it on teams uh, in the first quarter or the second quarter uh, to get a, you know, a great personnel grouping out there that you like that's working against what the defense has out there and forcing them to go play your style uh, at your pace without being able to make you know um, substitutions on their end, just kind of catching the team off guard. But there's, you can't do that on a, an entire game. Um, you, know, there's a, you have to preserve players so that they still have something left in, in the tank in the fourth quarter. Uh, you have to be cognizant of your uh, uh, depth chart, you know, because if if you go, you know, let's say 10 plays with one personnel group and just rushing in at the line of scrimmage, those guys are going to get tired too. So you have to be aware of those things. But I think the more command that Derek and this offense has of this playbook, I think the more chance you'll be able to see it because I think Derek Carr is really good in those situations. Vinny Bonsignor, Vinny, how big of a story is it going forward with multiple players coming off IR uh, coming back immediately playing off IR or maybe not playing as much down the stretch as other guys get looks here. I know you monitor all this, the amount of snaps of players here. You know this roster as good as anybody. What can you tell us going forward? Yeah, um, well, first, you know, Nate Hobbs was designated to return to practice today. Um, his status for Sunday's game uh, will be determined later on in the week, knowing Nate Hobbs. Uh, like I do, uh, and everyone in the building does, uh, I'd be shocked if he wasn't out there. He wants to get out there and play, uh, and he's a huge part of what they're doing. It's going to be interesting, JT, to see how the Raiders manage these next few games because at some point uh, here pretty soon in a couple of weeks, 
Derek, oh, excuse me, uh, Hunter Renfro, and Darren Red, uh, uh, Darren uh, is going to be, you know, uh, able to come off the injured reserve list, and uh, all of a sudden you're you're going to get two really good players back. And where are the Raiders going to be um, in, in a standings uh, point when Waller and Renfro do come back? And if they're still in it, still mathematically alive, it's going to be a big boost to get those two players back to this offense. Um, so the Raiders' ability to manage these next few weeks and, and still stay alive and still stay mathematically alive is going to be a, a, a big thing toward getting those guys on the field and, and actually using them. And I do think that they do need to get used regardless because you – there's a bigger picture involved here, one of which is next year and having everybody understand this playbook, a chemistry being uh, you know, uh, uh, built with Derek Carr working with this group of, of weapons. They haven't had a lot of chance uh, to do that. And so you have to, you have to start thinking along the lines of what can it get you this year, but then also what can that investment uh, get you for next year so that you're really hitting the ground running uh, uh, you know, when OTAs and training camp starts next year and next season starts. Hey, Vinny, finally, you look around the league and no one, uh, no one's happy about a 3-7 and seven record and no one's making excuses about it. You are what your record is. But if you go around the league and you cover and you go on a lot of national shows, you come on my XM show often and you look at Nate Hackett, and Denver, they're in disarray. I don't, think, I don't think he comes back. Zach Wilson got benched today with the Jets and the team that you formerly covered. The Rams are 3-7, and seven, and they're not going back to the playoffs of the Super Bowl, too. So a lot of people are focused on what's not going right for the Raiders. Raiders got momentum coming off a win. But the rest of this league, there are problems with several other teams. Do you see it as parity or just one of those wild years that you cover every six or seven years? Yeah, it's probably a little bit of both, but uh, but but the parity thing is uh, it's hard to dispute the parity thing when you look at um, what the average margin of victories are, how close these games are. It's on a historic pace uh, right now, and you know the Raiders are definitely kicking themselves because uh, their inability to manage those tight games uh, earlier in the season cost them some wins they should have right now, and they'd be in a much better position moving forward. But they haven't; they didn't. So. Like you said, the record is what the record is. But if you look across the NFL, there's really nobody um, that's running away with this thing. I guess maybe the Kansas City Chiefs in this division are still the Kansas City Chiefs uh, until further notice. But you know, there's a real, there's still an opportunity for the Raiders. I know it sounds crazy and ludicrous, and you can't get too far ahead of yourself. But if they can stack some wins together here, um, you know, you never know what might be possible. Because I, I do think a team with nine wins. Um, maybe even two are going to get into the playoffs this year just by looking at what the records are um, of everyone else around the league and how close everything is. And, you know, you look at a team over in the NFC like the Vikings who look like, oh, wow, 8-1 and one, playing great, um, but they get their hats added to them, you know, against the Dallas Cowboys. And you look at the Giants getting beat by the Detroit Lions. It's, it's, it's a crazy season, and a lot of crazy things have happened. Um, but, you know, the, 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 the margin of error is so thin this year, and I don't know if it's parity or just what the situation is, but it sure sounds like uh, going back out to, to, to Pete Rozelle, who wanted parity, and that was what he always strived for. Uh, I think Pete Rozelle, wherever he is right now, uh, is looking down and, and smiling because this is exactly what he wanted. And finally, Vinny, you know this organization is defined by winning. 
It's defined by greatness, Hall of Famers playing in the biggest games and winning games. And that's the job of everyone from top to bottom. I just want to see this team play as well as they did in overtime. I want to see that level of intensity on every play. I don't call the plays. I watch every play, and I know that you got to tip your cap to the defense from time to time. But the body language of these players, and, and many of them who are making a lot of money, have to be at an all-time high because of the record. The fact that they're winning, they're beating, they're beating, they beat a Denver team, they have a chance to beat Seattle. I'm not saying Seattle's a world beater. This team can beat Seattle anywhere in a parking lot in Henderson. They can beat them in Seattle. But these players now have to build on this for the Raider Nation coming off Thanksgiving and be ready to play because Pete Carroll's going to have them ready to play. I know Josh McDaniels is, but the players got to play at a level of Max Crosby. Max Crosby's level on every play is the standard of this organization, dating back to George Atkinson, Cliff Branch, Bolitnikoff, Howie Long, Townsend, all the great players who have played for this team. I just want to see that the rest of the way. Yeah, uh, I agree, and they need to, uh, and they're fully uh, capable of doing that. And, and also, never mistake this. Um, you know, when we talk about intensity, uh, it's also playing at a high uh, intelligence level as well, being focused, laser-focused. We talk about all those Raider teams for, for all their the violent nature that they played in and, and you know, uh, uh, the intensity that they played with, but they were also very, very, very smart. Al Davis understood uh, that part of the game as well. And don't ever, and I'm not, not saying that you do, but, you know, for fans, don't ever underestimate how smart those Raider teams were. Um, and that's what the Raiders, you know, Devontae Adams was talking about that uh, and has been talking about that, especially in those critical moments. Um, you know, relying on yourself, being confident in yourself, being laser-focused in those moments. That's what happened, JT, on Sunday. You know, players like Foster and Keelan Cole and, and Josh Jacobs um, and, you know, some of these other role players stepped up to those moments um, and, and handled them the way they need to be handled. Uh, and that is about efficiency, and that is about focus, and that's about intensity. And so it all kind of came together for the Raiders at the end of regulation and in overtime. But, uh, but you're right. They need to play like that all the time, but especially in those moments. It's gotten away from them uh, too many times this year. That's why they went into uh, Sunday's game with an 0-6 record in one-score games. Um, the way this season is shaping up, and as close as these games are, if the Raiders can command those moments, Moving forward, they're going to put themselves in position to win some games down the stretch. Thank you, Vinny. Tell us about your partners, what you have in store in Vegas here this weekend. Yep, absolutely. Uh, there's going to be some great college football and NFL football um, over at the Rockstar Bar and Grill. Great food, great drinks. The Bonitor Tequila always takes care of everybody. So if you're in town on Saturday night uh, and Sunday, head on over to uh, Rockstar Bar and Grill uh, and have some fun watching some great football. Take care, Vinny. Have a great Thanksgiving. You too, Jakey. Thank you. Vinny Bonsignor. Appreciate him coming on here. Yeah, what the team needs to do now is just build wins. Go to Seattle where it's loud. I'm telling you, I've been on the sidelines for the TV broadcast in the preseason. Preseason in the fourth quarter and couldn't hear myself. That's how loud it gets there. It's going to be loud. Seattle feels like they're the better team and they're not. The Raiders have the personnel, the coaching, to go in there and get a win and keep the momentum going. We'll wrap it up on the other side. Wish you a happy Thanksgiving here on the flagship, live from the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center.
As an offense, though, I mean, when you guys are only able to score three points, the defense only lets up three points. I mean, do you, do you feel like you let the defense down at all? No. no. Wilson saying no it was so immature they benched him today and then he had another press conference and he kind of apologized for it JT back with you from the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center I mean this is an incredible building that I'm in it's unbelievable what Mark Davis and this organization built here Bobby I sanitized my workplace when I was done because this place is so nice you can eat off the consoles everybody's here excited for the game that's in front of us and Thanksgiving and Bobby you put together a hell of a week here we got a lot of other programming coming up here and I want to wish you a happy Thanksgiving thank you for everything you do to put this show together I know you got a Vegas golden night game you're working tonight so again have a great Thanksgiving it's always my pleasure thank you it's been a hell of a year and we ain't done yet we are not done yet. There's a lot of content left, no doubt about that, as we continue. So as we broke down the game, you'll hear the coach coming up on Friday. So I just knocked out that interview today. Uh, off on Thanksgiving, we'll have the coach on Friday, along with Raiders Roundtable, a couple other guests who are going to join me there. I'm going to the Vegas Golden Night game tonight. My wife came through. Appreciate that. My sons are back from college. Really looking forward to that. Thanks to everybody for the birthday wishes. All the kind words on Thanksgiving. Really appreciate it. I want to thank everybody here at the Raider facility for having me here today as we threaded the needle. Started the coach at 11.45, finished at 11.55, and we're able to jump on the air at 12.01. And that takes a lot of people working to get us the opportunity, the ability to do that. Have a great Thanksgiving, everyone. I know a lot of people are racing out of town or staying in town, whatever you're doing. Be safe and be thankful. We're thankful to have a flagship station here. And a lot of great partners. For all my partners on the radio who I've worked with for years, some of them are brand new. I'm very thankful for that. I'm thankful to the Raider Nation, the Raider Organization, and everybody who listens to the show. I'm going to reward myself with a bucket of Modellos. Have a great Thanksgiving. Go to the Golden Knights and look for a Raider victory on Sunday in Seattle. Have a great one. Cues on deck. <laughs>